0: Welcome to the latest edition to the Compliance Podcast Network, a podcast, 10 for 10, which brings you the week's top 10 compliance stories curated together in one podcast each week. Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, brings you the compliance professional stories you need to be aware of at the end of your busy week. Sit back, and in 10 minutes, hear about the stories every compliance professional should be aware of. Every Saturday, 10 for 10 highlights the most important news, insights, and analysis for the compliance professional, all curated by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. Get your weekly filling of compliance stories with 10 for 10. Hosted by Tom Fox. 10 for 10 is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Stories from the week ending July 22nd. Our first story from this week deals with the recent fine by the Fed against Deutsche Bank of $186 million for moving too slowly to fix their problems regarding money laundering controls that the regulators flagged back in 2015 and 2017. The Fed said Deutsche Bank has made insufficient remedial progress in complying with these orders. In finding the bank, the Fed issued a new order that requires Deutsche Bank to prioritize the completion of the controls it was supposed to have put in place under prior orders. Next up. Sri Lanka has um, passed an anti-corruption bill. Perhaps what's most interesting about this bill is that it was a part of an international monetary fund or IMF program linked to both funding in Asia but also anti-corruption initiatives in Asia. It's the first time the IMF has required an anti-corruption bill and you can imagine the... uh, pushback from the um, Sri Lankan legislature. Nevertheless, to get the money, they did agree to it. Next up, from the Financial Times, the U.S. has issued new antitrust guidance which put private equity and tech deals in focus. Uh, It is going to be a more robust uh, antitrust enforcement, although These regulations do not have the force of law. They are certainly used by both the courts and individuals as guidance going forward. Uh, Next up, uh, Teen Vogue. Yes, Teen Vogue is a part of 10 for 10 because they report on young people in Nigeria who are taking on political corruption as well as police brutality. Um, These teenagers... Um, are upset with the dire economic straits of the country and uh, a large part of it is because of the corruption of the political class. It is incredibly heartening to see teenagers understanding the invidious nature of corruption. Uh, Obviously, Nigeria is well-known, well-renowned for its corruption and to see uh, teenagers and other younger folks out fighting this on the streets is certainly heartening, although certainly not to the Nigerian government, which is, of course, endemic with corruption. Next up, the uh, former president of Panama, Ricardo Martinelli, was sentenced to more than 10 years in prison for money laundering. He, of course, proclaimed his innocence, much in the way of Donald Trump, and said that he has no ties to illicit funds. Nevertheless, he was uh, convicted by a court court in Panama, and the former president also faces money laundering charges for his alleged involvement in the Odebrecht case, the massive scandal from the last decade involving bribery of public officials across Latin America and beyond. So Panama convicts its former president. Our next story comes to us from Harry Kasson at the FCPA blog. Harry um, asks, does Singapore have a corruption problem? This is near and dear to Harry's heart, as both him, he and his father Dick both lived for a long time in Singapore, which uh, used to have a sterling reputation for anti-corruption. Harry poses two questions on why this was happening. Number one, there is more corruption in Singapore than there used to be due to the changing nature of the country from immigrants and others who have moved there out of Hong Kong. And two, there's always been corruption in Singapore, but it's becoming uh, increasingly coming to light because of people are uh, disillusioned after a series of cases. Singapore is tied for fifth on the TICPI, uh, but you have to wonder how much longer that will last. Next up, uh, first of two stories from the Wall Street Journal, Risk and Compliance Journal. This one from Dylan Tokar, Lisa Osofsky, the outgoing head of the serious fraud office has issued a final report where she takes some claims for the uh, convictions of uh, several, uh, including the commodities trader, not conviction, but uh, Glencore agreed to a criminal conviction and recovered, ESFO recovered over 95 million pounds, but um, obviously, the very serious questions still haunt the SFO around Osofsky and her handling of Uno Oil and the setbacks regarding Uno Oil employees. So, uh, really, not a mixed bag. Uh, I don't think you can say much more than a C, maybe C minus, from Lisa, Lisa Osofsky and her tenure at the SFO. Uh, next up from Dutch News, and just an incredible story. That KPMG Nederland, that's the Netherlands, is engulfed in yet another scandal regarding cheating on exams. Over 500 employees have uh, cheated during compulsory exams, which accountants are required to take. K- the uh, consultancy group confirmed. KPMG uh, imposed internal sanctions, and the head of uh, the head director left as well as a supervisory board chairman. So this is um, multiple times that KPMG has been caught cheating. Uh, it is ubiquitous throughout the organization. You have to w- wonder about the entire culture of the organization and uh, why it cannot seem to uh, act ethically and not even cheat on exams. So you have to wonder, well, how, how bad is their culture? Next is our second of two stories from the Wall Street Journal, Risk and Compliance Journal. Once again, Dylan Tokar reporting. And this one is around Kenneth Polite. Kenneth Polite is the head of the criminal section, or division rather, at the Department of Justice. Of course, that includes the fraud section and the FCPA unit. And he's leaving at the end of this month. In a sort of farewell speech, he touted the use of data analytics by the uh, DOJ, particularly the hiring of Matt Galvin going forward, and uh, really sort of wrapped up uh, his tenure. I think for compliance professionals, the biggest uh, thing that uh, Polite brought was not the big cases or even the data analytics approach of Matt Galvin, but really the CCO certification. Uh, Mr. Polite has been incredibly strident in his belief that this will increase the profile of a CCO within an organization and bring more resources, uh, prestige, and authority to the CCO. Um, From my perspective, it puts uh, CCO liability right up front, and I sure hope any CCO of a major corporation which signs a certification has significant civil and criminal DNO coverage. And our final story comes to us from Reuters and that is that Tesla directors will pay $735 million to settle lawsuits over excessive compensation. The settlement resolves a 2020 lawsuit by a retirement fund, which uh, challenged stock options granted to Tesla directors. Uh, This Kevin LaCroix has called this the largest settlement of its kind in a shareholder litigation. So, Good for the shareholders, and hopefully, this will stop too much comment. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of 10 for 10. As I mentioned in the prior episode, this is the one request I've received most often from podcast listeners of the daily compliance news to put together a summary at week's end so that every compliance professional can catch up on the news quite quickly. So, I hope you will subscribe, rate, and review this new podcast edition to the Compliance Podcast Network family, 10 for 10. If you've got an idea for a podcast, I'd love to hear from you. I start many shows based upon ideas from listeners. So give me a shout. You can reach me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. 10 for 10 is a proud member of the Compliance Podcast Network.